Hey there, folks. Rob Hessler here with another episode of Art on the Air, my weekly Do Savannah and Savannah morning news special. Thank you for tuning in. Got a really great episode again lined up for you this week. I spoke with Callie Landre, an artist and a manager over at Telfair Museums, and we had an amazing conversation about her coming back to art during the pandemic through the 100-day project and a fortuitous call to local artist Ruby McGrory. It's a really interesting story that I know you're going to love hearing all about, and Callie was fantastic and gave a lot of detail, too, about her role as an Asian artist and an Asian woman working at a local museum. So it's a really interesting topic, an interesting discussion, and you're going to love hearing from Callie. Wanted to mention, of course, as always, you can catch other Art on the Air interviews, as well as my corresponding Art Off the Air column and all of the writing that I do here for the Savannah Morning News at savannahnow.com in the entertainment section. Last week, I did an interview with Derek Larson, which was a really inspirational story that I encourage you to go and check out. I also spoke with Dana Richardson about her new mural over at the Cafe 80 out in Tybee. And this week, I've got a second article about Craig Drennan's new exhibition over at Laney Contemporary, which I'm just blown away by. His work is incredible, and I think you're going to want to check that story out and learn all about it because the opening reception is coming up soon. But let's get to this interview with Callie Landre, talking all about her background, her personal history, and how she rediscovered her artwork. Enjoy. Rob Hessler here with Art on the Air Field Notes. I'm speaking by Zoom with Callie Landre, and we are going to be speaking about a bunch of different things. Um, Callie is the development manager at Telfair Museums, and she's also on the senior leadership team. But I really wanted to talk to Callie today about her artistic practice because you've recently been working on the 100-day project and the sketchbook project, which you sent up to New York. So we're going to talk about all of that stuff. But I want to take a dive back I always like to do this when we have guests on the show is you know to, to first things first take a step back like how did you find art at first like what was your first sort of artistic inspiration where did that come from where did you first like say well I really enjoy doing art was were you one of those people who was like drawn to it right away or were you somebody that sort of found it later in life what was your experience there well thank you first of all for having me <laughs> Rob my first vivid art memory is of my grandmother and I, we were laying on the floor of her living room and we were coloring in a coloring book. And I remember watching her make her marks and they were so precise and so smooth. And I just wanted so badly to color like her. And it was of this big purple dinosaur. And, um, and yeah, I just, I remember wanting to stay inside the lines and be so precise, just like her, but I guess throughout my childhood, you know, I was praised a lot for my creativity and artistic ability. Um, I, I really enjoyed uh, all of the arts and crafts projects that we would do. I doodled on my edges of my paper, um, papers and things like that. So uh, my, both of my parents, I would say are, are creative types. Um, 
my father, he was a mechanical engineer. And I always thought, you know, creativity came from my mom, you know, because she was usually the one helping me with my, my crafts projects. And she was always, um, you know, verbally supportive of that. But as I've grown up, I've realized that my dad is also extremely creative. He loves building things and he's incredibly gifted with his hands. And, um, and yeah, so. So that's interesting now. So when you say, you know, you sort of were creative, you wanted to make things perfect inside the lines, like your, like your grandmother and that purple dinosaur. And then your mom was helping you with these craft projects. What were, what was your sort of artistic interest when you were younger? Were you building things like your father or were you drawing? What, like, what were you, what were your first sort of things that you thought, you said that you were kind of considered talented what what were you talented at back in those days drawing drawing with colored pencils and markers and pencil and and things like that I've I've not really I wouldn't consider myself very good in the round (laughs) I'm not that type of thinker but uh, but yeah I would say usually working in something two-dimensional and yeah and still to this day I you know a little bit of a perfectionist you know, to be honest. And um, I, I have realized now that that has held me back in a lot of ways as well. Interesting. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that. I also think it was, it's fascinating that when I asked you what you were good at and drawing and the very first thing you mentioned was colored pencils, considering the um, a recent exclamation I saw on, on one of your social media postings regarding your feelings about colored pencils um, in recent work. So but I, I want to kind of take a step forward because I think you had a sort of unique upbringing. And right before we went on the the air, we were kind of just talking about some some various things, getting ready for the for the interview. And you mentioned that you were adopted, and so that that was kind of an important part of your upbringing, sort of an important part of your identity. And talk a little bit about that because I mean, obviously you mentioned right before we went on the air that you had parents that didn't look anything like you. And I wonder sort of, and you said that that was an important part of, of who you are. And I wonder if there was a crossover there between personal identity and also artistic identity and noticing that that was a part of who you were. Right. So from the top, the story goes, I was adopted when I was 14 months old from South Korea. My birth father worked in a factory. My birth mother worked in a cafe and I was born out of wedlock, which I think was uh, frowned upon at that time. And the, my birth father's parents did not really approve of the, the, the relationship. So my birth mother left and my birth father tried to care for me and couldn't. So um, he put me up for adoption. And meanwhile, here in the States, my, my adoptive parents found out they couldn't have children or thought they couldn't have children. So they, they, uh, you know, went through with all of the paperwork and, you know, the financials and things like that. And, and they adopted me. So um, shortly after that, uh, my sister was born. (laughs) So, so (laughs) consisted of the four of us. Uh, and, and they are Caucasian. And, uh, and so we, we lived in a rural area in Michigan called Olivet. And it was honestly, it was a beautiful little town. I loved all of the people. My friends were incredible. I had a great support system. 
you know, I, you know, faced my fair share of prejudice and, you know, my parents did as well, which I didn't find out about until I was much older. Uh, and, and yeah, I did, I think my mother tried to get me interested in my culture, my heritage. And at, from a young age, I, I didn't want to feel like I was different. I wanted to just fit in. Um, I was a very timid and shy child. But yeah, my it, it's interesting. I mean, this might be a little off topic, but um, when we talk about representation, I do think that it is important because my the only people I could really relate to uh, was Michelle Kwan and like Lucy Liu, Julie Chen, Apollo Ono. I like, you know, those, those were my heroes growing up because those were the only people I saw like me. Um, but as far as my artistic, um, you know, my artistic self goes, uh, I think during college, I really revisited those thoughts and feelings and, you know, tried to open myself up to try to understand, you know, what I was feeling and thinking. Well, I mean, it's really interesting too, because, and I want to kind of talk a little bit about the perfectionism aspect here. And, you know, it's, I think it's a lot of times when I'm interviewing artists, we start talking about them and their work. And then we start talking about the philosophy, but I almost feel like you and I are going in the opposite direction here. We're talking sort of the philosophical backgrounds of, of what's going on here. But I think it's interesting because, you know, you work in a museum right now. And so you see lots of artists and you talked about, you just mentioned, you know, the word representation. So while you were talking, I just took a quick look here and I saw it, within all art museums, the um, representation is only 12.6% women artists and then 9% Asian. So, you know, you're kind of as a, as a person and I don't, you know, I, I'm not sure that you define yourself in these sort of percentile terms and all of this, of course, but you know, it's a, that leads, it's an uphill battle there when you sort of start as far as an artist in that position there. So I wonder though, because, you know, you mentioned you have this perfectionism in you and a main, right when you were, you're, you're saying how, you know, you were shy and you didn't want to seem different. And I wonder if maybe some of that perfectionism comes from that notion because, you know, being perfect means you never mess up. You know what I mean? Like you are doing the things that are expected of you perfectly. So therefore you're not different. You're like, you're literally the, I don't know if you've thought about it that way at all, but um, that's what I first thought of. And I, I think, I don't know whether that is a, an innate trait or, or if it's learned, I think, you know, my adoptive father is also more leans more to the perfectionism side um, of things. But um, I think maybe as the older child as well, I, you know, wanted to always live up to my parents' expectations and, you know, have my teachers and, and my parents' authority figures um, be proud of me. And I still kind of maintain that sort of um, desire, but I don't know, I, I can't say whether or not my ethnicity plays any role in that at all. Right. Well, so let's take some steps forward here because you mentioned there that you kind of started to re-explore this in college. Now, what did you study when you went to into um, you know post high school 
and uh, and and kind of delved in arts and obviously ultimately ended up at the museum here. But what were you sort of studying when you got out of high school and kind of went off on your own? <laughs> well, for my senior year, I was kind of waffling. I, I didn't know what I wanted. <laughs> and so my high school art teacher said, you are talented. You, you know, think about going to school for art. I was like, fine, we'll do. <laughs> so I signed up at Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo. And uh, what a great experience. I mean, I, I went through my foundations classes uh, and then I believe it was my sophomore year, I took printmaking. It was um, intaglio and woodcut. And I really fell in love with printmaking processes. Uh, I, I ended up taking ceramics, I think uh, two years of ceramics and uh, metal and jewelry working but I really, really enjoyed the printmaking processes. And then, you know, my senior year, I was thinking about going into art therapy because I really enjoyed, I was taking my psychology classes as well. And I thought, you know, that was a great way to bridge and marry the two. Uh, and I didn't go through with it. I, after four years of college, I said, you know what, I'm done. <laughs> I'm ready to move on. But I ended up getting a job at uh, this place called New Friends. It was an assisted living facility for um, people who have dementia and Alzheimer's. And I ended up doing art activities with them and actually any activity with them, which was incredibly fulfilling incredibly challenging, but probably one of the best things I've ever done. Now that's, that's so amazing. I, I love to hear that. Um, and the art therapy thing, you know, it's so funny because like, I don't know you well, but um, there is a certain, I don't know if this is, I, maybe it sounds sound totally weird, but you've always seemed like kind of like a calming presence. Like every time I see you, you're just like, oh, okay, it's Callie. She's cool. You know what I mean? Like it's a very, so maybe that's part of that. I don't know. Um, but I wanted to take a quick step back here um, because you mentioned your interest in process-oriented, the process-oriented part of printmaking. And when you and I were corresponding about a month or so ago, you mentioned that you found comfort in rules, structures, and steps, which of course fits into that sort of perfectionism talk. But when you get out of school and you don't, you can't like, you don't have like presses, like, you know, you don't have like any of the equipment. That's one of the things, because I love to actually love printmaking too when I was in college, but I haven't print done any, hardly any printmaking at all since because convenience is an important part of being like an, a real adult. You have to like, you have so limited time, you know what I mean? So the convenience is a part of it. So I'm sort of curious, like beyond going and working at this assisted living facility, which sounds amazing. I actually want to follow up on that as well. But like, what was it like in graduating from college in the four years and sort of then not really having access to the materials and equipment that you were using that were your primary interests as far as art making goes when you were, you know, in your years of study? Right. And I think that's where a lot of, well, where it all falls apart, right? <laughs> you don't have the resources that you had. You don't have the same creative energy that you were surrounded by with your peers. Um, you don't have the uh, professors, you know, giving a critique and, and your classmates giving you that feedback. Um, I think, you know, for me, that's, that's kind of where I, you know, stopped making work. I stopped sketching. I, you know, and I had developed this very strong, mean inner critic you know what I mean? it's 
like uh, debilitating. So, uh, so there's that as well. But yeah, like you said, it's, it's hard when, um, especially with printmaking, which requires so, so many materials and presses and things like that. Well, and I also think, and we, we talked a little bit about this before we went on the air, but I want to kind of bring this back up is that, you know, you find like, and I think a lot of us as creative types can find something else, which is not art making or, you know, making work for ourselves, I guess you might say, that is fulfilling in a way that kind of becomes a sort of substitution yet there's always that nagging voice of like make art make art make art and you make you mentioned like you go to work at this assisted living, living facility and you're like providing like legitimate help to people like and it's such a good thing like you know like you go and you make someone happy that's like so that and you never know like when you're in your studio and you're just making your own artwork like you don't know if people are going to like it or not or if like it's going to make a positive impact or negative impact or if it's trash or if it's the next masterpiece you have really no idea but like when you're doing something hands-on like and I think about it for my own work here like what I do at the newspaper or at the radio show I know like I am making a positive impact on someone's life whoever is my guest I'm able to like draw attention to what they're doing or bring attention to their artwork or just in you know highlight who they are as people and I know like I get that immediate reaction of this is a positive thing just like what you're talking about with working with these um, at the assisted living facility where it's like you do something and you know, you're making a positive impact. Whereas the art thing is so hard. It's like, Oh, how do I do this? So I wonder how you feel about that. Oh, absolutely. I, and you know, once I, I mean, when you're in college or, you know, school, whatever, you are solely focused on, on that. And you're solely focused on the grades and you're solely focused on, you know, your classes. But once I graduated from college, I had to find something else to focus on. And it was my career mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. a job. And so with that, I, I ended up, you know, I wasn't creative in the sense of, you know, making my own work, but in order to bring joy to other people, what happened is, you know, I, I was coming up with activities for these older adults to, to do with me. And I, I sometimes would get rejected, but you know, it kind of toughened me up a little bit. Actually that whole experience really um, brought me out of my shell. Um, I, I credit it solely to that uh, because before that, I, I, I don't know if I would have been able to, to get up and do this interview with you. <laughs> I don't know, you know, it, it really opened, opened a lot of doors for me and I learned so much and I met such incredible people but, um, but yeah, as far as creativity goes, I think all of it was poured into that job. You know, it's so, it's so fascinating, you know, because, and, and this, I, this is one of the things I love about doing these interviews here is like, you know, you mentioned, oh, you were, you were shy and I've like never thought of you as being a shy person. And, you know, recently you did this photo shoot and, and like, I mean, you're like a model on these. I mean, like it, you don't seem so shy at all. Right. I mean, and so that's such a funny thing because like, a lot of times like we can put a label on ourselves that can define us or we can break free of those labels and move forward and, and, um, and grow beyond them. So I think that's really fascinating and interesting. And I think oftentimes, you know, helping others, we end up getting as much or more out of it than even the people that we're helping. And like you mentioned, it broke you out of your shell, but I mean, think about the positive impact you had on those people's lives by 
just being there and caring and like engaging in these activities and being just like bringing your creativity to them, sharing your inner spark with them. Yeah, being able to with them for sure was was a huge, huge benefit. I mean, on, on both ends, I think, yeah. So how did you ultimately though, let, let's kind of take some steps forward here because obviously now you've been at the Telfair for a bit. And so you got involved in working in an art museum. So how did that kind of all come together? I, I moved down to Savannah to be near my family and I moved without having a job, which is something no one should do. <laughs> I do I've done it. It, <laughs> <laughs> it is tough. Uh, but yeah, I, I was working you know, at a place on Broughton Street. I was working at the YMCA out in Effingham County. And then I finally, I, I decided to volunteer at Telfair. And um, I ended up getting a volunteer position at the front desk. And then I was hired on part-time and, and now here I am. And it's been incredible and fabulous. And I've, I've loved every minute of this journey, even though last year was really, really tough. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, it's being in an art museum and being able to help support my colleagues in doing the programming and, and outreach uh, for the community is just absolutely fabulous and also fulfilling. Well, and not to mention too, like the proximity, being in the proximity of that kind of artwork, like that level, just having it like right there for you. I remember so when, well, right after college, I worked at this place called Archival Art Services and we did framing and preservation for like the national archives and like museums and stuff. And I remember at one point I was, we were, I was in the studio and I was working on a photo by Edward Weston. And I just had this photo and it was like, it was in my hands. Like, and I had this like, and I'm not, I, I'm not a photographer. Like I'm not, you know, the, but it was like, oh my God, like I have this, there's this genius is like in my hands, you know? And that was just so inspiring, but also a little bit like intimidating. Cause you're like, I was like around this stuff and it's like, man, am I even like as an artist, like what am I even doing? Like when you're having, when you're like dealing with like Matisse and like, you know, like for me, Weston or, you know, all these, these artists that the Telfair brings in, you know, that are just so, I mean, they're the names that you read about in the art history books, or even if it's not them, the new, the contemporary artists that end up getting brought into the museum. And it's like, oh my God, like, why do I even make art? These people are just so next level as far as arts go. So I, I kind of like wonder what your experience has been like that, because you're saying it is amazing. And I'm, I have no doubt that it totally is, but it's gotta be intimidating too. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Like, what am I doing uh, as an artist? But I, each artist has a way of presenting their work from their perspective. And I know that when I decide <laughs> to make art, actually start making art, um, you know, that my perspective and my voice will come through. You know what I mean? So I'm not necessarily too intimidated by it. It's in a way it's overwhelming because you, I am viewing, viewing artists I've learned about in history books, like you said, and I'm like, wow, I can't believe I get to stand here <laughs> and do this. 
you know, this, someone pinch me, please. Uh, but as far as, you know, having something to say and, and making, and making work, I don't know. I don't think that I feel that intimidation so much. Well, let's talk about making work then, because this is one of the things I, I, you know, kind of really wanted to talk to you about here. And we've kind of set the stage here now because, you know, you mentioned last year was a really hard year for really everybody at the museum, but really you could just apply that to humanity. You could apply that to people in the arts. You know, it was funny because I was talking with, with my wife in the last couple of days and, and I interviewed somebody recently and this person was like, I was on unemployment and I was making money. So I just spent this whole year just making art and like listening to music. And I was like, on the one hand, I was so happy for them. And then on the other hand, I was like, you know what? Screw you. Cause I like had to work. I worked the whole year. Like my, <laughs> I didn't like build a vegetable garden and like, you know, become a beekeeper and then like make my next, my next body of work. I like wrote, articles all the time and like raised a child and like you know so so I didn't have like a year off to like explore my artistic side you know for me it that wasn't the case and and my life is I have nothing to complain about I have a great life I love my life you know so you know uh, so I'm not I'm not complaining about that but each of us went through different challenges because, you know, like while I would say that I also had was alone, you know, I mean, with my wife and child, but like, you know, couldn't see anybody. All of my interviews were by phone or like this by zoom, um, you know, not, not having, you know, actual physical contact with other people. And I'm, I'm the kind of person that's very much likes physical contact. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, the people that I care about and love in my life, you know, I hug and, and we, you know, and we're very close and, and all that. And, and so we all, I think, had some extra time to think and to reflect and to reevaluate things. And that brought you back to artwork to a certain extent. So talk a little bit about that. Like, how did you decide to just say, you know, now is the time for me to dig back into my creative side, my personal creative side, and start putting some marks down on paper again. Right. When the museum closed its doors mid-March, I, you know, we, we were, you know, in, <laughs> I, I decided, you know, I was going to call the members that had, you know, renewed their memberships, which is something, you know, I don't usually get to, in, to do in my, in my job. Um, not everyone, at least not all of the members, but I, I happened to call Ruby McCrory to thank her for renewing her membership. And she, um, we started talking about art and we started talking about her art. And then, you know, she mentioned the 100 day project and encouraged me to do it because I had said, oh, I'm, you know, I haven't made art since, you know, blah, blah, blah. And anyway, so she, she was like, no, you, you should definitely do this. And I said, yes, okay, I will try it. So I signed up, I did it. And um, the very, the very first post, I'm like, oh my gosh, people actually, you know, enjoy seeing this stuff. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and, you know, being held accountable, you know, having to post every day, you know, it kind of uh, helped me to continue on. So I got to about 50, 50 sketches and, um, and then, you know, things got a little crazy and I had to, I abandoned the 100 day project, but it really, it helped me 
get back into it, you know, and, and drag out my materials that had been collecting dust and, you know, storage for a long time. And, uh, and yeah, and people found out that I made work. Some people in Savannah who don't know me don't, didn't know that. So, uh, so that was kind of nice, but. Yeah. I mean, like I'm one of those people that found that out. I mean, to be honest with you, because, you know, I had seen you at Telfair events before and I'd seen you around town every now and then. And I thought of you as an art professional, but I hadn't thought of you as an artist. And I think that that's one of the things that's really, and we kind of to circle back to something, you know, that we were just, that we were talking about is like, you know, like we get these art jobs or like a job that's in a creative field and it, we become almost defined by that career, which is actually quite gratifying. I have no problem like on a personal level with people thinking of me as an art writer. I love that. I, I mean, it's something that I, that I, I'm proud of, you know, I'm proud of the work that I do. And I'm sure you're the same way as being, you know, a development manager over at the Telfair and, and everything that you do over there. I'm sure that you feel that same way, but there is a little bit of that, like, mm. but I'm also this other thing. Like, I'm not only that, you know what I mean? So like, I found that out about you. And I think, I mean, do you feel like that? I mean, would have been the effects you were, you know, you said like now people know that that's a part of you is that empowering? Does that put pressure on you to keep making artwork? I mean, what are your feelings now that you've done that? Like, where are you with, with it now? Hmm. It's a little bit of a mixture. I, I feel like there is a little bit of pressure, but I'm, I'm doing it myself. It's not, you know, it's, it's no one else, <laughs> you know, now that I've opened the gates and, you know, said, okay, now people know, now I know that I'm ready to step back in. I haven't, since I submitted work to the um, sketchbook project uh, in New York, I haven't sat down and made a sketch, you know, but, um, but I have to be accepting of that and not tell myself I should be doing something because that causes a lot of, you know, guilt and all sorts of negative emotions. But, but yeah, I, I think it, it, it is empowering to step back into the, to making art. Let me ask you something here, and I might be going real deep here, and I do apologize, but, you know, just kind of occurred to me that, you know, there has been, and I kind of wonder how you think of this on an artistic level, and even like as somebody who is in museum and, and who's kind of thinking about, you know, sort of social issues, because that's part of the museum, you know, is, is thinking about these issues that there's been this, you know, violence towards Asian Americans in recent weeks and months, and... I don't know. I think that there's also sort of like a part of like the history of the United States that's wrapped up in this. That's not really ever been totally reckoned with to a certain extent. Do you feel like as an artist now, you know, especially since you're working, do you feel sort of any pull to respond to that, like in an artistic level or even on a personal level, given that it does seem to be kind of making its way into the public discourse now? Mm hmm. Actually, I was thinking about that the other day. <sighs> I feel conflicted, to be honest. If I were to make work, I would want people to just say, wow, that is a great piece of work. You know, I, I really connect with this. I, I, and, um, you know, to find out that I am Asian American uh, would be a cherry on top, you know? And I guess it's hard for me because I don't, sometimes I forget that I am Asian. I 
you know, when I step into a conversation, when I step into our events at Telfair so, or, you know, into meetings and things like that, I'm like, I don't really think about that. But it is, if I were to look from the outsider's perspective, it would be totally different. As far as my art making, I can only really speak to what I have experienced. And thankfully, I have not experienced the worst of Asian hate. You know what I mean? That I have not, in Savannah, I have maybe had a few comments, but it's, it's, it could be a lot worse. And that's not to say that, you know, it's not happening to other Asians around the country. You know, I, I, I feel, I feel for them, but for me right now in Savannah, that's, it's not something that I've experienced. You know, you, you said something really interesting that made me think about. So recently I did an article about the We Remember exhibition at the, the JEA, the Jewish Educational Alliance Community Center. And I spoke with a couple of artists for that, including Marlene Seidman Rabinovich, who is a, who is a, um, she's a professor over at one of the local colleges, not SCAD, but I forget which one, but she, she is a photographer and she recently made a trip to Israel and Poland to essentially do the three kilometer walk from Auschwitz to Birkenau and she took photos of it. And one of the things that she's a, as an artist, she kind of, she talked to me about it was that she never wanted to really make art that spoke to her Jewish heritage because she didn't want people to think of her as a Jewish artist. She wanted to be thought of as an artist. And then she is also as a person Jewish. Like she didn't want to be defined as that. And then she went on this trip and she did these photos and she did this series and said, I now totally think, I think totally differently about it where now she's like, it's all she can think about. Like how, important her heritage is to her and like how even you know and I don't want to I'm not quoting her directly but this is pretty close to what she said like now she feels a responsibility almost to speak to those issues because that is part of who she is and especially now with what's going on you know in the United States there's kind of a rise in anti-semitism and you know there's there's a lot of that going on so she is like although has not experienced it really herself and Savannah's a pretty I mean, for a city in the South is pretty open-minded as far as things go. I mean, we're, but I thought that was sort of an interesting thing. And it sort of made me think when you made your comment, it's like, you know, you just want to make art. And if people know that you're Asian American, then so be it. But I don't know, just a, just a thought that came to me when I was, when I was listening to what you were saying there. I think that, you know, when we step to a piece of art and we come to it with all of who we are, all of our background, all of our experiences, where we're from, you know, the artist also steps to, you know, in, in, in trying to express who they are. And, you know, it comes back in layers and layers and like, you know, the, through the history of the materials that they're using through, you know, their name, through their, ethnicity or nationality, it, it's layered. It's, and we're all so multifaceted. Um, basically, I think of it like we're building bridges. 
you know, you coming to me with this interview, me doing this interview. I mean, not knowing all that much about each other, we're trying to find a way to connect and meet in the middle. And that's, I think what the, like the wonderful thing about art, it connects us like that. I, <laughs> I really don't know where my art will go or, you know, what I'll do in the future, but I would hope that people don't just pigeonhole me or, you know, let me be defined by being Asian. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I think that's really well said. And I, I appreciate it, you know, like I obviously, um, you know, these are difficult topics and I appreciate you being open and vulnerable about them. I want to kind of start to wrap this interview up, Callie. And, uh, and I think that, you know, I, I know people are, might be interested to see where you do go with it next, because I think that there's some openness there. So if people are interested in learning more about you and your work, if people just want to follow and see what you're up to, what's the best way for people to do that? Probably my Instagram account, uh, Callie.Landre. And I think it, it might be CJ. <laughs> yeah, and that's um, C-A-L-L-I-L-A-U-N-D-R-E for those who are interested in looking Callie up. And of course, um, you might also run into Callie down at the Telfair at some point, as I have. So uh, so really appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you so much for, for sharing a bit of your story. Thank you so much for having me, Rob. That's all the time we have for this week's episode of Art on the Air with your host, Rob Hessler. Listen every Wednesday for our live show, broadcasting from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on 107.5 FM, Savannah Soundings, and worldwide at WRUU.org. And you can catch past episodes on the WRUU station archives on our website, as well as on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. We'll talk to you next week, where we'll have another batch of art on the air.